Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Hey, Mike, I I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey, guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh, yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage, and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tea to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to Section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Honestly, I woke up really on the wrong side of the bed today. And I did not want to do this podcast today. I wasn't going to try to get out of it. I would never do that. But I just was, and now I'm literally 180 degrees from, thank you, God, man. Literally 180 degrees going into opening night. Wow. You just gotta, man, just gotta trust. Just gotta trust. All right, let's do this. Intro. I mean, I think this is the intro. We're, we're in the intro, huh? What do you we're say? That's right. This is Comes to Time Podcast. That's O'Teal. I'm the other guy. I'm a comedian named Mike. Um, O'Teal and I became friends a while back, and now we have a podcast. Today we have Lindsay Kent, who uh, made a phenomenal documentary um, with the pranksters, old pranksters, new, uh, a whole crowdfunded experience that changed her life and uh, changed O'Teal's day. Hearing about Big it. Big time. 
Yeah, she told us, you guys know about our love of all things mystical, anomalous, synchronistic, and synchronous. And yeah, she had a big one. I mean, they don't get any bigger than this. No, no, no. There's a couple in like, you know, religious books. Okay. But this is right up there. So you guys just literally got to watch this one. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. (laughs) This is one you have to watch. You just have to watch it. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening, go to YouTube and watch this one because, uh, yeah, this is just, this is too weird. Yeah. This is too too cool. And too like the whole, the whole experience. And, and again, this is one of those ones that could have went five hours, but, uh, and we're recording this on Oteil's, uh, this is the first night of Dead and Co tour, is your, yeah, which is, is the, why we I can't we couldn't go longer because yeah. I got to go. You know, I'm nine minutes over my luggage call or whatever, which and I'm fine. But it's just like, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Maybe you should opening, be nine minutes over. Absolutely, I won't question. And, you know, That's it's right. like the dude that was late to the World Trade Center, yeah, on September 11th. I was very frustrated ahead of time. So, yeah, this is a really I was feeling very conflicted this morning. And and now I just 180 degrees. She literally gave me a complete spiritual turnaround, like a a rescue. It's just great. And Uh, I was feeling horrible this morning because you and I had a conversation and I told you some crazy whacked out news story I heard. And then I'm like, ah, fuck, it's the first night. Like, I kind of should be like, you know. Whatever. But then, yeah, thank God she came in and just like completely twisted the whole axis because that was just mind blowing. I mean, what an yeah. unbelievable story. And uh, yeah. it just shows the lineage of this whole thing, man. This family yeah. that, that that these guys have all created and it's uh, wildly important. So, Lindsay, yeah. congratulations and thank you for all your hard work. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, we're sponsored by Garcia Handpicked Cannabis. What a better... Uh, way to uh kick off the tour than um sparking up some garcia handpicked if it's in your area if not don't do it wink wink um go to garciahandpicked.com to find all the incredible uh products they're all handcrafted beautiful uh packaging and artwork and all the stuff that comes with it so thanks to all the great people at garcia handpicked uh osirispod.com i'm sure they want to osirispod.com for uh all amazing podcasts uh and then we are on patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod for so many great little wormholes to dive into so uh thank you Lindsay oteal enjoy tonight from all of us <laughs> thank you enjoy. i will have fun i'm going to long live the further bus long live Lindsay kent and long live the commitment to having fun and the grateful dead. Amen. <laughs> Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm so excited. We were talking uh about you being out in uh you're you're discovering the wonders of nature right now huh absolutely i think you know like a lot of people we rushed out to buy a used camper last summer uh (laughs) like a lot of people 
<laughs> and uh, a, a, a toy hauler because we have motorcycles and uh, ATVs. And um, and last year we actually went out to the playa where they have Burning Man during Fourth of July. And there's probably a few thousand people, but I mean, if you go there, but it's not Burning Man. It's a it's a massive place. So we were very socially distanced, um, and it was really awesome. And then. Yeah, we just got back from Yellowstone and that was my first time going there and, and some friends met us and uh, that was really special. So close. I'm in Utah. So it was it was right there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. We uh, we're excited because, you know, we've had Ken on. We've had M Mountain Girl on. We are uh, students of history, especially of this scene and uh, further going further, everything that has to do with the bus and the family and the crew. And you've just made this incredible, like this documentary. It's so exciting. Like, tell us about what that was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to give a shout out to the other two uh, filmmakers on on this who are in Canada and had and had their own trip and their own reason for um, getting on that I will uh, touch on. But my my uh, experience is, is different. Um, uh, I, unlike a lot of people that got on the bus for the 50th anniversary trip, I wasn't a deadhead. I wasn't in the scene. I had never taken LSD. I was just a book nerd, right? So um, I loved hearing um, Amir on your podcast because he's talking about how much he loves the the beats. I think he's even working on a project about that right now. Yeah. Um, Kerouac like blew my mind at a really important time. Like most of us, right? Like we we read these books and at the exact right moment, and on the road was just it was it was that moment, and it just I did this huge deep dive into the uh, culture. And of course, I learned that Neil Cassidy drove the bus and there's this whole bus trip. And I read Tom Wolfe's book and and um, and, you know, I was in my early my, my early 20s. And I just remember reading about this this trip and going, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this is responsible for so much of this culture that we like see today. But I was still like on the outside looking in. But I was just so I don't know if it was like a different life or something where I had been there, but it just felt like something connected for, for me. Uh, and the fact that, you know, Neil drove the bus, it was like he, he was driving the beats into a new generation. You know, it was like this, this amazing metaphor. He just shows up on Ken's steps. He's like, I'm driving, you know. Um, I just thought that was amazing. And I and my friends, you know, I, I used to, to, to talk about it all the time. This is back in like 2013 when Zane, you know, had, had finally been convinced that he needs to do this uh, 50th um, anniversary tour. And he has a, a, kick, a, a Kickstarter campaign. Hey, we, you know, we want to raise money to get the bus, you know, up and like, you know, ready to go on this like monumental trip. Uh, a friend of mine sent me the, the campaign is like, is this the bus you keep talking about? All of, like the colorful bus. Isn't this like further? I was like, what? What's happening? And uh, what really caught my eye was that anyone in the world could donate like 200 bucks or more and become a new Mary Prankster and get on a one like one week of a 10 week tour. Anyone. Okay. Imagine the freaks that are going to come out of the woodworks, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, and I saw like in the campaign, he even said like, you know, we've had offers from networks that want to come and document this, but we're saying, no, we just want to take everyone's cell phone videos and like make like a cool montage at the end. And at this point, mm -hmm. you know, I had made a lot of short films. I had been editing feature films for several years and I was just going, no, 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 no. <laughs> this needs, this is a huge deal. This is a huge part of our history and our culture. And so I didn't know how to get a hold of Zane. I didn't even try. I just donated, became a new Mary Prankster and jumped on the first leg of the bus with all of my gear. That's as far as I got. I, I, I hadn't really thought about what it was going to be, if it was going to be a movie. 
or or like just like a short film or if it was going to happen at all. I had no idea. I was just like, I need to go and do this and just show up. And I and I didn't know anyone. Um, and I was <laughs> like on the tour. And luckily, Colby and Matt um, had a, had it a little more uh, together than than I did. They um, they met in um, Canada. They live off the coast of Vancouver on the well. Uh, Colby lives on an island called Denman. Um, but you know, they they were really into the you know the uh, scene and the culture. And when they heard about this um, happening, they called Zane. They figured out how to call Zane and said, "Hey." you should hire a crew. This really needs to, to be documented. And then slowly convinced him that it should be them. <laughs> so they actually got to meet Zane in, in Oregon, get on the bus before it even left the farm and film. And so we kind of joined forces um, uh, in Madison, uh, Wisconsin. The tour lasted 10 weeks. And it go, you know, they went back to Woodstock for the 46th uh, anniversary. Mm-hmm. Went back to, you know, Millbrook and we got to, you know, dive into the, the film about Timothy Leary and, you know, Richard Alpert, who's now, you know, Ram Dass and, and how, you know, the, the uh, infamous meeting between the East and the West coast heads back in the sixties. And, and so it was really incredible opportunity to, to see the, the, you know, to, to learn about the, you know, history, how far we've, we've come and the little seeds that were like, you know, planted then and all the different ways that it has, you know, branched out now, because there are, you know, there's the, you know, grateful dead, scene and like you know the, the uh, modern day true hippies and then there's like you know the burners and then the intentional festivals and it's kind of like and you know and alex and allison gray and they're you know amazing art awesome. there's all these different ways that i think people are embracing what what you know the, the you know pranksters and you know um leary kind of started back then and you kind of see it you know, um, out there in the, in the uh, world today. So we shot about 400 hours of footage over the course of 10 weeks, plus several months tr- going around meeting the original, you know, Mary Pranksters and like wavy gravy and all these people who are still alive, who were there and trying to like fill in all of the, the, um, blanks. So it took a long time, but it ended up being something that we were really proud of. Um, and, uh, and we're really excited to be releasing it now because, I think the world kind of needs this more than ever. The the uh, prankster energy, what yeah. they stood for, um, and uh, and you know the power of the of the of the, of the um, counterculture and the psychedelic movement. Um, I think that we kind of have a framework for that now. Like back then, they were kind of finger painting, and they had no they, they had no idea what they were doing. They were just doing it because they could, right? It was this great thing, and there was no you know framework, and there were probably a lot of casualties because. It's a very potent, you know, you know, LSD is a very potent, powerful drug. It's like now we've, we've seen, we've, we've been there. We've done that. We're able to, you know, utilize different substances within some side, some kind of a, you know, framework with integration, with, you know, connection and being able to continue to operate here on this plane, while being able to have these types of, you know, downloads. So it's really interesting to, to kind of see how far it's come in 50 years. I'm rambling. I'm obviously very excited. No. This is like my favorite. Please, no, it's, no, it's the <laughs> I've been writing it. stuff down to talk about that you've been saying. And it's... <laughs> you know, when we, uh, when I uh, was listening to, uh, uh, I think it was Ram Dass's autobiography mm-hmm. on uh, Audible. And <laughs> I was struck by the absolutely gargantuan doses that these guys were doing in the early days. Now, of course they didn't know. Yeah. But like, Whoa, I was like, like spoonfuls. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, 
So they really, did, I mean, a great, when you're, when the scientist is experimenting on himself, you know, it's right. really, it's, it's, it's quite a way they paved, you know, Mike, you always joke about who was the first guy to eat this food Potato. and <laughs> yeah, or whatever. It's yeah. like, well, the dead guy there <laughs> told yeah. you not to eat that one. You know? so. It's someone frozen in time. Like <laughs> trial and error. That, that no. was the only way. How, how else were you going to know if it worked? Right. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, maybe do that again. Yep. <laughs> I like your spirit too, though, the way you got on the bus. Cause that's really the, the prankster way you were like, I just donated 200 bucks and got on and brought well, my camera and we'll see what happens. I was like, that's the true spirit of it with well, LSD or not, you know? Right. <laughs> and you know, the whole thing too, about like, like when I went out and spent time with Ken, he was working full time all day with Babs going through old film and it was DIY. Yeah. They filmed everything. They yeah. documented everything. And that's the thing that's so damn important about something like this. That's like, of course you should be doing it and not, you know, uh, Paramount pictures or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be like a Warner brothers joint. It should be like the three of you doing it. And that's the prankster way, you know? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And yeah. And, and you know, we all, we, and we all kind of became, well, I mean, I was like I said, I was an, an outsider and just being on that tour for the amount of time that I did. And I ended up having to go home, make some more money and come back out while the guys, you know, um, stayed on and, and filmed. And I came um, back at the end, but it, it changed my life. I'm actually in the film because I was, you know, new um, prankster and, and my mind was totally blown about what I experienced. And the, you know, people would get on for a week and get off. Some people stayed. We actually have some, you know, lead characters who are like, I'm not leaving. This is my life now. You know, so, uh, <laughs> this is what's, what's happening. Um, our uh, main character, Dante actually puts his job uh, on camera and, uh, and says, <laughs> boss, like he's supposed, he's like, I should, I should send this now. I'm supposed to be at work in a half hour. You know? nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, right. everyone who like came on the bus was totally exceptionally themselves. And they were like totally weird in their own, awesome unique way and they upheld everyone else as that and like i had never like like i said i hadn't been to you know festivals i think i went to uh, lightning in a bottle once but again i was a fringe person i i wasn't a prankster i wasn't in it you know i wasn't like actively involved in it this was my first experience like that and i thought wow what could we be capable of as a race forget like a society mm. but as a race we are actually out there expressing ourselves fully and completely and without any fear. And we are upheld as that thing, right? Because it's like the, the whole thing about the um, pranksters and the, you know, dead as, as well is that they were encouraging people to be themselves and to be their own person and to not fit into this box that, you know, people are saying, this is what you're supposed to do because we're all here to express something there's something in us that is that is dying to like be here and be open you know about and when we find that thing we we just sing like it just comes out of us yeah how, how can we find that if we're afraid about the things that we think people aren't going to accept us as right so that's too many people really, don't you know absolutely I mean, it's society's fault really but like everybody it keeps people from finding their superpower Right. You know, I've, maybe I'm wrong, but I have this belief or faith that the X-Men is kind of real, you know, and everybody has a superpower. 
mine's music and maybe maybe we have multiples mm. you know but if you're so boxed in like we're all weird in some kind of way beautifully yeah. weird right? right like uniquely weird on purpose i kind of think like that's how the universe works so mm-hmm. it just keeps you I, you think about well no wonder we have so many mental health problems so many people have been boxed off from even finding just the basic expression of themselves, much less finding their superpower, which I think it's further down the road, but that's where it begins to me. And, you know? and their tribe, right? And, and the right. people yeah. are just as weird as, as they are. And this, and the, you know, the, the film is a lot about that as, as well. It's like, trust me, whatever you think is weird, there are people out there who are gonna be like, hell yeah, come and be with us. You know, I yeah. promise you they're, they're out there. And when we, we screen this film, we actually did a, a two-week East Coast tour on a bus with, with uh, George Walker and some other pranksters uh, when the film first um, got uh, done a few years ago. And there were people walking out of the theater going, oh, my God, I didn't realize that my people were, were out there. I can't wait to go and find them. Like, that was, like, the feeling. And it's like, yes, that's it. Absolutely. That's what, what it's about. Because if you don't know that that exists, then you're going to just, you know, hold it, it, it in and be afraid to <laughs> yeah. you know, be out there about it. You know, when I was... Uh... When I was 16, I went to uh, Fish put on a festival called Clifford Ball in Plattsburgh, New York. And it was like the first festival they had put on where it was they basically took over an abandoned Air Force base and 80,000 people or whatever go. And you're like this kid in high school and you're kind of like you see another kid wearing a T-shirt that's got special language where like maybe a street sign has changed to like the name of a song or something. And you're like, Oh, you get it. So there were these little freaks that were in the pockets of the, and then you pull into this giant air force base where they built an entire city for us. And your heart almost kind of like, is like, thank you body for finally bringing me to the place where I belong, you know? And you look around and you get to see all these people that are your, that's your tribe. That's your crew. And you can finally go like, I could be myself here. And, and I'm so happy that happened at such an early age for me because some people don't figure that out until it's, you know, maybe the vehicle, the body that they're in is a little too tired to maybe do that type of thing, you know, but it set me a Kerouac's book too. I mean, it all, it set me out on an entire lifetime of seeking, you know, and, and kind of fishing through the, the shit to find the gold, you know? It takes a lot of courage too, though, man. Because even if you, even if you find it, it takes that uh, courage and leap of faith to actually step into it. That's why somebody like the guy quit his job on camera. It's just like, yeah, you know, he's just like, whatever, dude. When when the inspiration is so great that you're just like, screw it, I'm out. You just toss the whole thing immediately. I'd love that because I feel like that. Uh, it's almost like a religious experience. Like it just frees you and empowers you. And then you can take these leaps of faith and you really do change your life like drastically, you know? And you, and, and you learn the difference between what your mind is saying and what it feels like, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. live in a society that is, um, that, that uh, supports this, but it is so crucial for us to be able to navigate this, this life is understanding that the mind is like, is a tool that should be in the back seat. It should not be in the driver's seat, but we are under the impression that it is us and it should always be up there making all of the uh, choices. But what that does is it makes us always motivated by fear because mm-hmm. its job mm-hmm. is to keep us safe. 
from everything. Yeah. That's its job. And it's doing a great job. Good job. You know, thank you. Yeah. But that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to you know, play it small and, you know, play it safe. We should use that so we don't kill ourselves. Like, thank you. That's a very nice tool. But there's something that, it, that there is a feeling that happens when you align with your power and with the real person that you are. And it is one of the most incredible, well, you know, for me so far, it is the most incredible feeling I have, I have ever felt. And so it's I, amazing. I, I want to make, I, I want other people to get that and to feel it. like everyone should have access to it. And they do. It's like, what is going to be the doorway for you? Is it going to be dream work? Is it going to be meditation? Is it going to be travel? Is it going to be psychedelics? Like there's lots and lots of doorways to this room, but everyone needs to find access to it because otherwise, how can you live in, in your joy? You're just, you're, you're not, you're not, you're operating as a robot, not as the being that you are. So yeah. do you think the pandemic has like done us a favor? Because, you know, it's almost like it put everybody at a full stop. And so now that you can't just be driven, because I, I feel like we didn't do it because we're just always driven. And then when you stop, you really have to reassess to save your mental health. Because now you, you're not doing what you were doing before, but you haven't really stepped into, a lot of people didn't even think about what would I do other than this. No, no. So, so I wonder, is it a gift actually, you know, aside from the... I think After it's, all that bad stuff. I think it was an invitation, right? I think mm. that I think that yeah. it was an opportunity and an invitation because we we think as a as a society that we are the roles that we play, and a, a lot of people those roles went away. Like there was, yeah, you know, things happened. There was death. There was loss of jobs. There was you know people <laughs> getting back into addiction and, and and these things, and all of a sudden the life that they thought that they were or the being the person that they thought that they were, they're like, well, what am I without this? And so there are, there's choices to be made when you're faced with that invitation, yeah. but, it, but you can choose to look within, turn off the TV and look mm. within because what the media is really good at is when you're in that, that vulnerable spot, telling you who to blame for it and keeping you away from the, the inner time and inner reflection, which is so imperative and crucial. There is no way to do that work if you're constantly plugged in and listening to what they're telling you. There is, there is just no way. I, and I know this because I have an identical twin sister who is an amazing human and incredibly bright and, and watches a lot of TV. And we haven't been, been seeing eye to eye on, on anything in the past year. And, um, and I, and, you know, but I see the, I see the, the anxiety and the fear and all of these things that are, that are, are coming up. And she's been through a, a lot just in her, you know, personal yeah. life as well. I'm like, you know, there is an opportunity to heal. There is an opportunity to tap into something that is deeper than, than being a, a mom or a daughter or a, you know, filmmaker or whatever it is. There is something much bigger and much deeper there. There's a well that is waiting to be explored. Um, and that this has given us the opportunity if we yeah. have chosen to yeah and, and and some people have you know and you know that and you know the thing is uh. is that that's a double-edged uh butter mm -hmm. knife because mm -hmm. you uh, open up yourself to a lot of solitary time and you open up yourself to being the weirdo and being different and being uh you know having when when you're vulnerable or when you're compassionate or empathetic you know that Kerouac was asked what the definition of beat was, and he said sympathetic. That was the first. That was the mm -hmm. only thing he said. Just one word answer: sympathetic. 
And I think that carried through to the hippies and that carried through to the pranksters and, and all of that. And I think that when you have that and you, I think about this a lot through meditation, psychedelics, float tanks, uh, exercise, whatever it may be, you acknowledge there is another plane of existence, but you can't 24 seven on earth in 2021 exist in that space. So you have to be able to, a is acknowledging that it's there and then B going, how can I access it when I need it to charge my, to charge my battery, to fill my tank. But what can I do during the day to day? I was just in Atlantic city for fish and I was scared shitless. I had to talk myself into going and I'm not, I had a mask. I stood in the ocean. (laughs) I'm vaccinated, whatever, but just watching a sea of 35,000 people packed like a sardine can and having a great time. I had to kind of like access that place that I know exists that could let me be like, it's okay to not, uh, you know, be in there with them. Like I could still get what I needed and fill my cup, but not judge and not, you know, be, there's a lot of, when you access that bus in, in you and you find the pranksters, you, it can separate you. It can alienate you yeah. because a lot of people take the path of least <laughs> resistance, you know, then a lot of people aren't ready to do the work that we're talking about. And that sometimes is a difficult thing. And it's just timing too. And your yeah. bullshit you know. filter just goes like way the hell up. You actually are now somehow like allergic to bullshit when you yeah. access the bus. And uh, yeah. it's a hard, it's, 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 it's good, but also it's lonely. Mm. I try to use that word yet too in those situations because a lot of times people just aren't ready yet. And mm. you know, it's sad when you see like when somebody dies and you go, well, you didn't take, you did not in time. Yeah. But it helps me not write off people permanently because I'm just like, you know, I just came to it here oh, and you yeah. came to it here. And there's probably people further down still waiting on me to get, you know, further Absolutely. down. 100%. And yeah. I, I think that's the first thing we, we do when we, when we start to wake up is everything that, like everyone that we're close to, we want them to just be free of all the things that they, you know, like all of a yeah. sudden you feel this freedom that you've never had and you just want everyone to be on, on the same trip. That was a hard lesson to, to learn. But what I, I realized is how deeply in honor I am of everyone's journey because I have no idea why it's important for this um, person to stay closed for the time that they are, it may, it may be super imperative and <clears throat> maybe in, in, you know, at like in, in five years or 10 years or the, you know, next life or like whatever, this was what they were supposed to, you know, to do. Who am I to say, this is what, this is how you should be, be um, behaving. And that has, and especially with people, you know, you know, close to me, it's allowed me to, to really open up and be fully myself and be present in whatever suffering I'm witnessing and not be a part of it. And I feel like I have to take it on or solve yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like being there. And that's one thing we really need right now, guys, is listeners. Like that's why I'm so glad that mm-hmm. you started this, you know, podcast when you did and you're having the types of conversations that you are. Because we really need to just be listening to each other and finding the common denominator of the humanness. You know, because yeah. the whole planet's going through this. This isn't just us. This isn't just America. Everybody. Yeah. You so, said you just said something extremely important and and we've talked about it a ton that like you don't have to take it on yourself and it's not your responsibility to do other people's work. 
And mm-hmm. I think that that's a hard thing. Like you said, you know, I mean, is there, is there a stronger bond than a twin in, in reality? Like, is there actually a stronger bond than having an identical twin? Right. And for there to be like, you know, a life situation, a catastrophic earth event that happens and then you guys can't even see eye to eye. I mean, Jesus, what are, what chance do the rest of us have, you know, but like you can't do her work. She can't do your, you know, and it's, and are not supposed to, and are not supposed to. And that's the part that when you go like, all right, I get it. Like I'll, I'll empty my veins out for you and let you know whatever we can do to help you. But you got to be willing to accept the gift or I need to accept that you're not willing to. And that's a, it's a slippery slope, but it's an important one for sure. It is because, you know, like people, I, religious people are as bad as this, bad at this as anyone else, even though the religious uh, teaching teaches differently. It's like, look, it's not my job to help you or cause you to see the light. Like that's God's job and your job. It's a co, it's a co-bill. Like, you know, you have to agree to it too. That's how love works. I love you. Do you love me back? I'm not sure yet. Okay, I'll wait. (laughs) You know, you're just not there yet, you know. But it also reminds me of um, the scene in Lord of the Rings where Frodo wants to kill Gollum. You know, and everything, like, what could possibly be wrong with killing Gollum, right? (laughs) And Gandalf says, stay your hand because you don't know what role Gollum has to play in the end of the story. Mm-hmm. It's not your job. It's not your call to take his life. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of what you said, Lindsay, like maybe they're supposed to not get it right now. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't know. How, how, how could you possibly know? You know, like, and yeah. so actually sitting with someone who is suffering and, and a lot of people hate this because it's, it's really like overly used, but when you are, um, when you are holding space, it's, it's a real thing. Like I've sat in ceremony with, you know, ayahuasca and I've sat in in ceremony with, with, with people who have been through a lot of trauma. And when you're really doing it without judgment, without trying to solve it with just really being there and allowing that person to go through that. That is the most potent, powerful thing you can do. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I didn't learn that growing up as a kid. That was not how we handled anything. There there was no listening in my house at all. Ever, you know, were you and, down the hall from me? Like, we, were, we were buddies back then. You know? I, know, I, I, I have to say, I, I this is how big of a nerd I am. I took a linguistics course on Tolkien's Middle Earth in college. I learned Whoa. Elvish. There's like two forms of Elvish. There's higher Elven and lower Elven. I learned how to speak it and how he, he made it, and it was just it, it was really awesome. Wow. Yeah. Oh, she was like, yes, yes. You've been on the bus way longer. I have. Than you I have. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yes, we're ki- we're definitely on the same uh, island of misfit toys. <laughs> <laughs> Are you as into Harry Potter as I am too? <laughs> just yeah, kidding. Yeah, I read the book. I I I read the. It's, it's funny because my husband is is a bit older than me, and so you know it, when Harry Potter came out, he was like in his thirties. He's like, I'm not gonna read or watch those movies, and I'm just so I finally got got him to sit down and watch the Lord of the Rings movies because he never read the book. He didn't know anything about it, and I'm just like okay, we're, we're married now. Like you have to, <laughs> you're going to have to sit down and like watch this. And he, he's like, that's cool. You know, I was like, okay, nice. I'll, I'll accept that. I am also a huge, like, you know, um, Beatles, like 
like, you know, massive fan. And he's like, oh, the Beatles are okay. I'm like, if I had known that, I never would have married you. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. They're okay. Did the, okay? Did the guys, <laughs> did you ever hear the the Keezy experience with going to see the, the Beatles about how, Gosh. like, when, um, like the Beatles at the minute they would get on stage, the crowd would just rush towards the band yeah. and just try and get closer and closer and closer. And they were, you know, kind of like songs like love me do and all that. Like they were like, everyone was trying to like get at them and it like kind of gave him a framework for that, like the acid tests and for the, you know, the dead and all that discussed it with them and just how like they wanted to create a space for people to be able to kind of like, be comfortable and have their room and the band can have their room and it can all be one thing. And that's why they were so diligent about like everybody take a step back, like give everybody your space, you know? And uh, it's kind of interesting the way that, you know, you, we all did come about the way to this bus experience and this dead experience or this beatnik experience. And like Neil being the main character of on the road also was like a mythical figure to Garcia because he was such a huge fan of Kerouac. And then to be able to freaking know him, it's like a, a, a Lord of the Rings character coming to life and like walking into yeah. your room and being like, hey, I'm here now. I'm driving. How do you not get yeah. on that bus? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that's the beauty of all of it is like, ooh, when you realize it, you realize that we are the Lord of the Rings characters of each one of us. We are those characters come to life. If we have the uh, inspiration and the boldness to step into it, to just do it, you know, and that's kind of, you know, there's a lot of danger in that. I mean, a lot of people lost their minds, Yeah, you know, it's a, it's not uh Definitely not to be taken lightly. The stakes are high, but the stakes are high for not doing it. Absolutely. Can I share a story about how I feel like Ken baptized me and in like go for it, please? <laughs> like yeah, basically knighted me and said, "You're making this movie." Um, so like I mean, like like I said, I hadn't ever done LSD when I got on the bus. Doesn't mean I didn't do it after I got on the bus. And uh, we uh, we know the the tour ended in San Francisco. Um, this is in uh, 2014. And I had, I had been shooting constantly. I needed a, a, a place to stay. I called my mom as like my, my secretary when I'm on the road. I'm like, can you just book me a, a hotel? I don't care where it is, just like somewhere in, in town. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we, me and some other, you know, pranksters took some, some LC. And I was like, oh, it's weird. It's ink, ink colored. That's interesting. I've never seen that before, but I've been doing mm. it pretty consistently throughout the, the tour. So I thought, okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll take three and call it a day. Didn't realize each, each drop was 500 micrograms. So talk about, talk about it. What? I'm in the middle of a, a an interview in front of, um, on, on Hay Street in front of the, um, jam and on tie, uh, the, uh, jam and tie dye store. And I'm like, filming, and all of a sudden, like the whole world just starts to tilt. And I was like, Oh no, I've done something awful. Um, and I was like, okay, okay, what should I do? And as I'm oh. think about this, a friend of mine, a sober friend of mine walks up and he's like talking to me and I go, this is what just happened. I need you to be with me right now. He goes, oh, cool. Okay, great. I'm glad you told me you're, you're safe. You're fine. It's going to be great. I've got you. What should we do? And I said, well, my mom booked me a hotel. I just want to go check into my hotel and just be, be alone. He's like, can you be alone with me? 
said, yeah, okay. And I said, I think this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And he goes, or is it the best thing that's ever happened? It's too early to tell. Don't psych yourself up. Just that's my, that's my dearest friend's magic. And uh, so he gets us an un, uh, Uber. And we go to, to the hotel. Um, it's called the Carriage Inn. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever stayed there. I've never, you know, heard of it. My mom booked it on Hotwire. She knew nothing about it, right? You'll understand why this is important. We, we um, check in. We had to wait like all of two, you know, two minutes. And the guy's like, I'm so sorry you had to wait. I'm going uh, to, uh, you know, upgrade you to a, a suite. Like, okay, whatever. Just give me a, t- a key and tell me where the elevator is. And, uh, and we go up to the third floor and we get out and there are names on the doors. There's Hunter S. Thompson. And there's uh, Robin Williams. And I'm like, oh, the rooms are themed. I wonder who we got. And we go to the end of the hall and we turn the corner. It's the Ken Kesey suite. Jesus fucking No Christ. way. It's the only Ken Kesey suite in the world. And the guy downstairs didn't even know what further was. I told him what I was in town for. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like he didn't understand. He, did, he had no idea. He just upgraded me to a suite. Just so happened. So we go inside, Ken Kesey's bio is typed on a typewriter on the desk. There are framed photos of the bus, like all around the oh, room. My <laughs> fucking God. Like psychedelic wallpaper. And I'm just like, oh my God, you know? And I, and I proceeded to have one of the most incredible, potent, powerful experiences of my entire life, where I became fully aligned with the person that I'm here to be and what, and what I, I get to do. And I'm like, I get to know this for the rest of my life. Huzzah! You know, I'm like crying and like laughing. Wow. And like, you know, Mandrake is like, wow. he's like jumping up and down with me. Like, I'm so excited for you, you know? And, uh, and it was like, at that moment, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm meant to be a part of, of this film. And I'm also meant to help people remember who they are and, and, and wake them up through the power of storytelling. Like, that's me. And that's what I'm supposed to be here to do. And now I know. And I'm so excited. And I've only Holy had a moment since then. But it was like that moment, like, you know, Ken's, up, you know, up there going, ha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's one of these. I wanted to do a <laughs> podcast with different fans about that had these kind of synchronicities and anomalous experiences and man that's as legit as it gets it also lets you know this trip is going to be just fine even though yeah. i did 1500 months <laughs> i used to do 50 that's yeah. what i did when i tripped as a kid as a teenager 1500 yeah. a lot for me at, at that point yeah 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 ink and ink, ink colored Ink colored, and you get to the room, and his his bios in a typewriter. Typewriter, and actually, come on! I mean, that's insane. The film now, Zane Kesey and the and the tour guy Derek, their their interviews are at that desk. So I like rented it for for the next day, and we did the closing interviews for the whole like tour in that room at that desk with the typewriter on it. So it's actually like. You know, wow. That is is the most unbelievable shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm telling you for me to hear this, this is opening night. Yeah. We're, yeah. So for me to hear this on opening night. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so exciting. Damn. So, so I have to ask, I have to ask now you're in this room, you're on 1500 mics of prankster acid. Sorry, you said it was 300 a drop, right? Sorry. 500 a drop, 500 a drop. 500 a drop. Okay. So how the fuck now now you're in this room. Does your friend stick around with you the whole time? Yeah. and, And he actually got a small 
bit of the same stuff. So he could take, so he could be on the same trip with me, a very small amount, like, like a fifth of what I took so that we could be on this trip um, together. We're in there for, for several hours. But after that whole download that I got, I felt I was back in my body. I was like, I was, I, I was good. And the, the pranksters were all at this, you know, Grateful Dead cover band show downtown. I'm like, let's go. And so, um, and wow. so we, we went down there and I remember just dancing. Like I've just never danced before, just completely free and, and open. And what's, and what's funny, you know, we, we did our own um, Kickstarter. This was all, you know, self-funded and from the, you know, pranksters and from like a very small amount of people. And there were like actually uh, three neo pranksters who, who really pitched in the most to really get the um, the uh, film made, and they are our executive producers. And one of them, Brian Walsh uh, Wally, he told me when he finally saw the film, he goes, "Do you know why I gave you that uh, money?" And I was like, "No, I have no idea." He goes, "When you showed up, dancing your ass off, like after, because it was like it had been a long tour. There was a lot, you know, there was some drama, and it was everyone was kind of like kind of over it." I just showed up and I was like, just dancing like a, like a nut job. He, he, he was like, if, if, if she can be that confident and that open uh, and that free at a time like this, I want to invest in, in what she is going to make. Damn. And so Keezy wanted that to happen. He wanted, wanted that to happen. happen. And then when the film came out, Jesus Christ, we, we got to go back to La Honda. We got to take, we were on a double decker healing bus. It's a Greyhound bus that had turned into a healing sanctuary for like people who do Reiki and like aromatherapy and all kinds of uh, energy work. It was, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. So this, this, they picked us up on hate street. They took us to La Honda in the Redwoods on this bus. We got to go tour Ken Kesey's house with the new pranksters. And then we got to screen the film outdoors to the, to, to the OG um, pranksters who still live in uh, La Honda. Roy Seaburn, who was the guy yeah. who named further, further. Mm. He's actually in, in the film as well. And he talks about how he, he's like, how do you spell further? F-U-R-T-H, wonder, maybe you are. Mm. <laughs> 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 he's scripting, like, oh, it's going to go wherever, like, we can think of further than that. That's what it should be called. But I forgot go further. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that was like the icing on the cake for me is like, you know, these people who back then I'm sure in their minds, this is kind of how they saw themselves when they were like on that first trip and they were filming it. Obviously they weren't taking LSD every day. That's not possible. But like during that experience that they really thought they they could make like a movie about what, what this is like, because no one had experienced it yet. This was the very beginning of it. Right. Yeah. And so to be able to, to kind of put it all together now, and and for them to see how far it's come with what they started, and it's a it's a real movie now, <laughs> like it's a cohesive movie. He was the they were like lit up like Christmas trees. They were so excited, um, and that was really like I was like, okay, I'm done. You can just write me off. Whatever else happens with the movie. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wolf. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smart Wool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. 
And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, Oteal? This salve with the arnica ah, yeah. on, my, on my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, S- Sunset Lake uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME. And tell them we sent you. Thanks for listening. That's special. That's special because you want to know what, like they were almost like trying to imagine like, you know, uh, an, a, like a caveman trying to like make a Wi-Fi router. That's basically what they were doing, right? Like if you watch the videos of them just cruising through the early 60s America and all these like buttoned up weirdos at like stop sign, there weren't even fucking highway. Like they had to take like, little rural routes through part of the you know and like to be able to now see like oh yeah we just start a kickstarter campaign and get the right people and get tuned in properly and they synchronistically end up in the keezy suite like it it all is supposed to happen and and it right for them to be able to go like oh thank you so much for taking our vision and actually doing you know like that's just so important so important the work that you did and they couldn't do it because they didn't realize they, they were amateurs um, and they didn't yeah. realize that, you know, and, and, and Babs talks about this, like the battery belt for, for this, for, um, for the, for the sound, it, it was going like one speed or was it the tape recorder? No, the, the film was going one, one speed and the tape recorder would speed up and slow down because they had it like on the same um, battery as the bus oh. or something. And oh. so never sync it. Like that's why they only play the raw footage at the acid test because they were like, they get so frustrated. They're like, this is impossible. It took yeah. years and it took Martin, Martin Scorsese to digitize it into 1080 oh. for them to make magic trip. You know, it took 40 years. So I don't feel bad about our little seven years. It's like, well, never trust a person. <laughs> Well, it's even like if you (laughs) like their their videos in search of a cool place, too. It's like them watching the footage and commenting like post game show, you know. So it's like they had to do Hunter S. Thompson and like and Hell's Angels. Yeah. And and, damn uh, Leary on 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 the bus and and everything. Oh, I got to um, this isn't in, in the film and I wish that it was. Well, I got to meet uh, Ram Dass before he passed away because he, oh, you know, he, awesome. he goes swimming every, he, he went swimming um, in Maui every Monday with his like crew. Right. Yeah. And I know a lot of people through, you know, like I, the, this film like uh, premiered at Esalen and like, we have a lot of the same kind of teachers and people and obviously Zach Leary. So I'm like, can we, can we please to go? I just want to meet him. He's a huge you know, yeah. inspiration and like one of my, my um, gurus. And so we were able to, to go there and swim with them as they were uh, 
uh, indoctrinating themselves into the uh, ministry of fun. They were they were renewing their vows for the ministry of fun. Out in, in the water with like Ram Dass and everyone's like singing the vows together. And I was like, that's amazing. But I, you know, when I got back to shore and I got to actually meet him, I told him a, a, about the film and we were talking about, you know, that infamous moment when Ken and the prankster showed up on the bus and, and, um, you know, Zach Leary, Tim's son said, well, Timothy was sick that day. And so that's why he wouldn't come down. It wasn't because he was being rude. And Ram Dass goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> the bus came by and they were all on speed and we were coming off a three-day uh, lsd bender there was absolutely no way that we were going to be able to communicate on the same way. like you know you know frequency like there was absolutely no possible reality in which that could have been possible i was like holy shit yeah <laughs> you know like from the guy yeah. who's this big infamous chapter in electric kool-aid and everyone talks about how they were rebuffed and it's like no neil's like passing out you know speed like it's candy everyone's like Wah! and you know ram Dass and timothy Leary are like mm, yes uh. and then they're like oh absolutely not let's 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 hold off on this um even though he, he did come down hang out with them, tim did come down to hang out with neil for a bit on on the bus but uh i just that i got that story from Ram yeah. Dass. That was it's so too. it's so funny. Kesey told me a story about how like uh, they went up to I believe it was Seattle to meet da the Dalai Lama, and they were driving. I don't know if they it, it was. It's a hilarious story, but I guess like they had driven up and somewhat Ginsburg maybe I think went upstairs to like get the Dalai Lama and bring him down, and in the meantime, Cassidy had like f found out that he got crabs from like a girl that he was with. So he completely shaved every hair off of his body and he jumped out of the Dalai Lama came downstairs and he Cassidy jumps out of the bus, completely like newborn baby, shiny, like no hairs on his body. And he just starts running around the bus completely naked. And the Dalai Lama decided like, no, I'm not getting on that bus. <laughs> it just kind of ruined it. And how funny of, of like, uh, it's just, it's amazing to me to think about like the way that like the dead blue Woodstock, like all the big moment, like the East coast, West coast, psychedelic meeting of the minds and, you know, and like all of it, just all the important moments, the important moments get fucking just completely blundered. Oh my God. That's amazing. You know, who's gonna love that story is, is the lead uh, guy in, in our movie, Dante, the guy that quits his, his job. Now this isn't in the film, but he does talk about it in the after show. And I did post a, like a little like censored blurred out version of this, but he lost a bet to Zane and had to walk around the bus naked at one of the oh, shit. And his his prankster name is uh, Air Guitar, so he's just got the like guitar and like nothing else on, and it's 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 one of those like you know video game guitars. Yeah, I have the audio to that part of my interview with Keezy, so I'll I'll give it to Eric and we'll put it on the end of this episode. Oh, but uh, man, I to hear that. that isn't Dante's gonna lose his mind that that happened. Like and and that's what I loved about making this too. It's like we didn't know that there were going to be so many connections from then till now when we were filming what happened on the bus. Like when when the bus went to Woodstock and the neo pranksters like spent their night in the morning, they they found the the uh, stage empty. They're like, let's just get up there and make some music. And so they're up there, just you know, dicking around basically. But then we like flash to Ken and the you know the OG um, 
pranksters like on stage with all of their crazy instruments and go making all whoa, 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 you know, all of uh, these um, sounds. And George Walker's like, I remember Ken saying that he would rather play with the worst bands in the in the world than go and listen to the best band in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And prove it by playing with the worst band in the world, which is our. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. There were just these really incredible moments that were just you know happenstance that we looked like you know the actual following in the footsteps. Um, you know, and there, you know, and we had like, you know, like 18 year old kids who were like new fan, yeah, fans of, of the dead to, you know, 65 year old seafarers from Thailand that are getting on the, on the bus, you know, for, for this trip. And, and, uh, it was very colorful. Like that's like, and, and these people are, are still, you know, you know, dear friends. And there's a, a, a neo prankster world you know, uh, I think George and, and Babs go every year too. So it's a prankster reunion in Indiana every year. And like a few, you know, hundred people show up and nice. And it, every year it gets a little, you know, a little bit, you know, bigger and weirder and sillier. Um, but it's, uh, it was, it was a real adventure. It was really, it was, it was a life changing thing for sure. And then, Sounds I, and, like... and then afterward I got to go and like my, my like research was going to Burning Man and filming at Burning Man and going to like, you <laughs> Not know, bad, all, right? of, all of these other, you know, festivals and kind of seeing the different, you know, w- you know, wavelengths because we got so much of the hippie culture vibe with all the, you know, Grateful Dead um, cover bands, lots of Grateful Dead cover bands all on that tour every single night. It was the exact same, like six songs <laughs> for some reason. Um <laughs> But it was, you know, there's, there there are so many different, like I said, different, you know, arms, different branches of it, of um, of, uh, of the culture and the psychedelic movement. So it was really, it, it was fun to kind of, try, you know, figure out how to like round that out and, and see, like dip our toe into each kind of like aspect of it. I mean, I didn't get a whole lot of Burning Man footage in because the bus obviously is never going to go to Burning Man. Um, but I, I did make like a short film about that experience because it was my very first burn. And my, my job was like going around interviewing people about that, what, what this meant to them from their first burn to their, their, you know, 25th. And it was incredible. It was an amazing thing. So I ended up making a short film, um, about that as well. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I had a blast. Colby and Matt did too. We, we really, you know, even though they were living in California, um, Canada, and I was living in California and I was working on a Mac and they were working on a PC and I was oh. <laughs> shooting on Nikon. And it was just like, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> somehow, somehow we, we made it work. And I went up to, you know, Denman for a, a couple of weeks and got to, you know, like live off the land. I mean, talk about Lord of the Rings, the Vancouver islands are like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That, that looks like it to me. It's a beautiful place. I um, need to grab my charging cable. You guys go ahead. Excuse me one second, please go ahead. <laughs> you know, it, sound, it, it sounds to me like uh, comes a time is going to have to go to this prankster reunion. <laughs> it's oh annual. God. It's annual. I think it just. I think it just happened. It's typically in May, but the, it kind of depends on on the weather because you you don't want to get like rained out. And so if it's like a it's if it's going to be a soggy weekend, they'll they'll change it up. Um, but yeah, it's in Indiana. Uh, the Wizard of Wonder, who was a prankster that you'll see in the film, it's his. It's his thing that he uh, leads every year and does a really great job. It's just, it's always a lot of fun. I was um, going to say, how did it end up in Indiana? But I guess that's where yeah, the Wizard of Wonder lives. And it's, it's also like the East Coast. I mean, a lot of people who were able to make it on the tour because not everyone who donated ended up being able to get on the tour because like you, you had to like you know uh, you know get off work, handle your you yeah. know family stuff. 
bring a tent, you know, handle all of your like um, tickets to get into the you know festivals. It wasn't like a free thing. It's once you donated, you have to yeah. how to actually show up and then camp for the time that you're going to be there. Yeah. So there 200 people that donated and about a hundred pranksters who got on, on the bus, but most of them were kind of East coast locals. You know, there weren't too many of mm. us that, like that flew from the other side of the country to, to make it. Um, so it kind of makes sense having it near the epicenter. Um, yeah, the tour started in Madison and then kind of zigzagged all around oh, heading back to yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Mike, I was just saying that we've, it sounds like comes a time needs to go to this prankster reunion. And uh, I was thinking she the said, exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. many great stories Our there. Our thought bubbles were like, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like note to self, start packing. When is it? Um, so because of COVID, the, you know, the time has changed. It's typically in May this year. I think it was just last week. Um, oh, perfect. And, but it's funny because when we interviewed George Walker, um, and, and Babs, but like, you know, they, they were really stoked about talking about this, but like they weren't back in the scene at all. And since the movie came out and we asked George to like, come with us on the like two week tour of the film he just like donned his new like prankster like persona and went back out there. And now he's like touring with Ryan Hassett who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to, to Jack Kerouac and they're writing stuff together and like doing kind of like poetry and like telling stories. And he is like super prankster mode. He is making a new bus farther. He's getting a, like, like an old harvester back on the road. Oh, wow. Just, you know, you know, tour around. So it's like, it was so cool because when I met him, he was just, he just in, in the film, he's just kind of just like, you know, reserved, like telling these stories. And then I've, I've seen him like out there balls to the wall, prankstering hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And like, wow. This is amazing. It's like this resurgence. And um, I even got to ask him that in the, the, the after show when, when I talked to him, I, I'm like, when you came on the tour, was that like the, like, a, a new beginning for you and he's like a hundred percent absolutely like i i didn't realize like i wasn't a part of the culture i knew that it was still going but i didn't realize that a lot of people knew us and knew what it was about and knew it, it was from us and all of a sudden like oh. I, I, I was in it <laughs> now and now yeah. turn it off <laughs> it's got to be so great for you to be the catalyst for all of that. i mean what better confirmation could you get i mean other than the ink Jesus. Colors <laughs> the keysy suite, but you know I'm still completely just blown away by <laughs> Me that. Me too, man. But that's just a what a beautiful feeling as an artist to get that from from him you know that's awesome who you know inspired me right that's what yeah. it's about like thank you for inspiring me to jump on the bus in the first place it changed my entire life thank you for doing what you did to, you right. know to, it's nice to repay the favor on some level yeah to, to tell the story through a different lens you know. It's kind of interesting too. Like you look at Neil and you look at Jerry and you look at Keezy and those are guys who died way too young, but they changed the world. And the work that they did was like the pebble that broke through the surface of the water and the ripples now that are, you can't undo those ripples and they keep growing and they keep growing. Look at, I mean, we talked to Billy and, and Mayer about, you know, like what would Jerry think about the fact that there's a dead cover band in every town in every yeah. city and every state, you know, and like Keezy must be, I mean, the fact that you checked into that room, the minute your key went into that lock and you opened that door, he was standing up. The ultimate prankster was standing on his cloud going, yeah, walk into that room, you know? And it's just the way that these folks, you know, care, uh, 
Cassidy was like the, the, the other one is written about him. And the night that Bob plays it for the first time, Cassidy dies. Like that's just the most synchronicity with this whole world and this whole scene that we're in and all that. It's just a little too perfect. You know what I mean? It's just great. But these guys are the ones that did all this work. The breadcrumbs, right? It's those breadcrumbs with the, Mm -hmm. the psychedelic experience that it gives you that says you're on the right track. Right, like the yeah. the dead to you know Zane driving the the bus, and so it's like passing the torch. It's, it's the new, yeah. you know, people, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's wild. And 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 I'll say, you know, first of all, Amir's like you know series blew my mind about. Yeah, I I was not a deadhead getting on the bus and learning through so many different people's perspectives about their personal experience with the dead. Really intrigued me because I was like, I had no idea. Right. Like my dad would go around, to, you know, singing Casey Jones when I was a kid. But like that was the only thing I, I could possibly think of that I had any access to 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 this at all. So that it, that intrigued me. And then I actually ended up going to um, to the fair, the fair, the Welsh uh, soldier field last night. Concert was my first dead concert. Not a <laughs> the bad last one. dead concert. <laughs> and I went with the um, pranksters and oh. I'll never forget that experience, like 70,000 people on the in in the on the same trip in the same energy and it was it was it was amazing physical feeling of love and acceptance and joy that i have ever like it 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 blew me away like i i I couldn't have possibly and i'm sure like you guys have been to a lot this happens all the time but like i and i've been to a lot of shows but nothing i've never experienced anything like that and i haven't experienced anything like that since and and then seeing long strange trip I love how he, obviously he's a, a, a deadhead and he had to be to, to, to give it that, you know, merit, but he made it accessible to people like me who, who are coming into it kind of for the first time. And like, and I'm, and I have, when I hear the music now, I'm hearing it through the, the lens of the story and if he, and the emotional, like the visceral, like feeling you get when you're, when you're hearing the story and he's, and the music is like behind it and the visuals and everything, like he just yeah he nailed, nailed it. it. He yeah. just nailed it. And so did you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I hope you think so. Um, we, but we, we've gotten a really, really strong response. Um, people are really stoked about it. Like, I think we have one terrible review from the SF Chronicle on, on Rotten Tomatoes. He's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And then we have like 100% from fans. <laughs> That's probably all, all five stars from the fans. And it's like, everybody's, that sounds everybody's about not right. supposed to. Everyone's not supposed right. to get it. No, absolutely. That's, that's right. That's actually. <laughs> don't get it. Perfect. You're not get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I that's saw right. this. It's like like a splat from the like the like you know like the review of in the newspaper, and then like a hundred percent from fans. It's like that's that's exactly that's, what it's supposed to be. <laughs> I saw something, uh, and I I think it was Ragu Marcus. I I'm not sure because I've been watching so many podcasts lately as we're watching the end of the world happen, but it, it basically talked about how everything is perfect, no matter like how bad shit gets. And, and I think those synchronicities tell us that, you know, when you have something just so strong mm-hmm. like that happen, you're like, okay, every little teeny microscopic cog is just like that. Perfect for that to happen. So that's got to include all the bad stuff. Right. 
right? That's what's so hard, man. That's what's so hard. Hard But it's it's like the yin. A friend of mine, this artist said, you know, it's like the yin always following with the yang. There is there is a balance of of what what we perceive as because it's because it's also hard to to say that there is positive and and negative. It's a it's a perception. Like the thing, the good things that we want to happen and the things that we don't want to happen. But then the things that we really don't want to happen to us when they happen could be the best thing that ever happened to us. You don't know, right? And so there, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a perception thing. It's also where you choose to put your your you know energy. Like paying attention. I think the reason that that is such a profound thing to say is that your attention is everything. It is literally yes. your entire reality where you spend your energy attention and intention each day is is your life is who you are yeah you choose that listen you could have got on that bus and been somewhere else mentally and had an awful time but you made it what it you know i mean yeah. I, I think about that quite often where it's like what if kerouac didn't write on the road how many mm-hmm. things would have changed you know what i mean like cassidy wouldn't have been dean like that Jerry wouldn't have been influenced by that. Like what wouldn't have happened and like what influenced Kerouac to write on the road? Mm-hmm. What if, you know, Whitman didn't write what he wrote or Mark Twain didn't write, but like all these things down the path of like, what if this didn't happen and, and how it all, like everything leads up to today, like the lyrics from black Peter, you know, and it's, that's just- why we've got to make sure that we do say, write, film, play, whatever is in our heart, because that's how it keeps moving forward. Exactly. Like, you know, you got to take that risk. Yeah. And uh, man. a young filmmaker is going to see what you did, Lindsay, and maybe go like, she did it. I could do it. And, and who knows what next thing they could make. And it's exactly. all the way down exactly. the road. Yeah. And that's the whole point, right? I actually got to, um, you know, I, you know, my first time taking LSD was that, Cosm with Ed Alex and Allison Grace. Oh, nice. Wow, that's that's pretty fucking incredible. I was like, this is amazing. Okay, I, I get it now. Um, but you know, I'm I'm a massive, massive fan of, of Me both too. and I remember I was at some there's this book called Zigzag Zen. Um it, and it's like um meditations and and psychedelics, and they did like a new uh release of it with uh, with new artwork and so it was like all the like psychedelic heads and the psychedelic artists like meeting in san francisco and i'm like i'm going to that uh, <laughs> and um and uh and i was talking to to allison and you know her um, daughter was going into film production and she's like oh, it'd be really cool to do like a like a women's visionary film symposium at cosm and i was like what and so I, I produced that. I put that on at Cosm in, in 2019. Um, and we had, you know, female filmmakers from all over the country, but there were two um, um, high school kids that were going into college that came with their mm. moms that had never experienced anything like that. And their films were like, were screening as part of a festival. And, and mm. they got to experience Cosm and they were just like, holy shit. You know, like, this is, this is amazing. So I, I, I think about that too. I think about that all, all the time. Like the little things that have, you know, inspired me to share it as much as I possibly can because you have no idea what's going to set something off for someone else, you yeah. know? And you exactly. went in both directions. You know, you inspired the original guys. Yeah. And then it went forward. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's, the, uh, I just love it. Yeah, I just, is, that's where my just... gratitude just starts like, 
coming out huge because you see it like, oh, this is this is what it's all about, you know. Thank you God for damn. doing that. Thank yeah, you for taking that leap of faith. And, you know, someone who never tried LSD and, you know. <laughs> then you did all of it. Then you did every drop of it in the tri-state area. From the whole, I, I honestly wonder, the rumor was that that may have been Owsley because they got it from like the back drawer of someone who had been there back in the day. And it's just like, I wonder if this is like, I didn't ask him. He told me I could take anything from the drawer, but he may have forgotten about this. <laughs> How long was that? Uh, I mean, I know you went and danced it off, but like, were you, yeah. uh, were you, were you floating around for a couple days thereafter good 14 what? hours at least before it calmed down <laughs> it was like 24 hours of the experience of it it was <laughs> like holy cow i mean and, and that was really like and that's why i love talking about um about like the, the dream state and i love that you had a, a kepner is a kepner on Kripner, the Stanley guy Kripner. who did this Stanley Kripner. who was doing those um yeah, the the studies with the with the with the dead and um, kind of like remote viewing about dream, you know, um, visions. Because like yeah. when when my when my dad passed away, the week that he passed away, I was taking a nap in in my house and I heard him say my name like he was standing over me. Mm. And I was like coming out of being asleep. I was in what they call the hip, the hypnagogic state, right? And I was like, oh my god, there is something here. And so I did like a deep dive into lucid dream, you know, dreaming and yeah. like doing exercises, yeah. and I experienced things without any drugs at all that were not yeah. reality. Like I saw and heard and felt things that cannot be explained. We're not yeah. this reality. And I was like, Oh, this is like one little layer, this like thin layer that we can perceive of. There is so much more. And that was see, before I got on, on the ball. At all. See, you're, this is the drug commercials that we need. You ate your weight in LSD and look what you've accomplished. You're perfectly fine. <laughs> well, hey, not everybody. I'm joking. Yeah, I see. But... Can I kid around every now and then? No, right, I know, but we got Jesus. lots of kids. Watch. I know. Kids don't do it until you're, you know, a prankster yeah. gives it to you. It... And, I'm and, just and, and and honestly, though, it's like it, it is something that if, if, if you don't have a strong mental co uh, constitution or even if you're in like a bad headspace, like the like the way that it that it can shift you dramatically and potentially indefinitely is very is very real. And so, yeah, set and setting and type and dosage and the people that you're that you're with when when it's all right, it's all right. I certainly yeah. wouldn't tell anyone to go and to attempt to do what I did because yeah. that was yeah. like, like serendipitous thing because I felt this is how much I, I should take. I felt into it because at that point and, and still, I, I don't use my mind to make all of my you know, choices. I, I feel physically yeah. and, and, and in me what's right. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm aligned with, with that compass, it tends to give me exactly what I am supposed to, to um, you know, ex experience. And so any kind of an experience that gets you more tapped in and makes you more sensitive to that is going to help you out. And psychedelics are a great way to do that within reason. So kids, <laughs> don't do it. You know, I was just kidding. Here's the disclaimer. I'm just trying to. I'm just joking. Well, I'm just you had a great at a computer friend. screen. I just you had a great friend show up, so that put you in a good state of mind. You got a sign. From Keezy himself. Yeah, 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 you know your mom's really the one to thank. She booked know, the hotel. Right? Your mom's like, the hero in this story. Bless my mother. Well, you're, uh, you're, it's so awesome to be able to chat with you, and uh, yeah, all the dead fans can thank you for uh, 
all the inf- inspiration and influence that you're putting on O'Teal before going on stage for the tour opener. I, mean, I cannot tell you how much I needed this because, you know, and this it's okay because it's not, people are not going to see it today. They're going to see it after opening night, but it's just a confession. I'm feeling really weird right now going into doing this purposely gathering all these people together too many people together arguably you know but we have to go into it with the right intention you know you you arguably took way too much acid you know, that day mm-hmm. so this is kind of like my sign for today like just go in yeah and and let it just give in to the day you know so i'm grateful for that because i do i felt very very weird since i woke up this morning just like you know the world is nuts right now and concerts and all these people and super spreader and yeah you know it's hard not to be conflicted yeah but also you you guys are all experiencing it solitary yourselves you're not able to go like run up take a jog in the city you're in You got to hang out and be so I'm trapped in my room. We've been here three, four days, man. I'm going crazy already. And I thought, oh, my God, I got a month of this. Like, this is what drives musicians crazy. You know, for me, it's not fame. But now I get a test, a taste of it because I literally cannot go out. Right. And so no wonder guys sit in their room and do harder drugs. You know, they're just like it just I'm practicing. And thank God podcasting and talking to you and you know all these good things i'm really grateful just all that to say i'm super grateful you you just you're sending me into my opening night with a a, the best synchronicity and sign from god and the whole thing yeah man so thank you for that i love that it's so cool that i get to talk to you today like that's such a an auspicious thing <laughs> to be able to, of course, like obviously. Wouldn't it you be? Know? Yeah, uh, it would be a little I'll, weird I'll, if it wasn't, right? Just yeah. perfect. And, and if you so, like it and you want to share it with 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 Bobby and Mickey and the guys, please do because they haven't seen it. I'm, I'm sure they, you know, Sam uh, Cutler, I think, has talked to them about it exists and everything. But like, I, they would probably really dig it. I hope that they watch yeah. it. Sam's point. a trip, isn't he? I God, I love him so much. Yeah, he's he's in, awesome. Uh, he, he sits down on the bus and talks and I'm like, Jesus, can you just like, just narrate the whole movie? I can listen to him talk the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> I had him on my podcast a while back and I was just like, yeah, can you like read me a out, diner man. menu? Like your voice is like, <laughs> like exactly. fucking eggs and cheese, man. <laughs> uh, listen. Well, um, if, if, if it's possible, I would love to, uh, to, to touch base with um, uh, a mirror and just tell him how stoked I am about what he, what he made yeah. and just hear what he's working on with, with the beats, because yeah. I'm very, very interested in whatever that is. Um, I'll yeah. make that happen for Enjoy you for sure. It. He's <laughs> such a good guy. He's yeah. so cool. Uh, I'm going to make sure uh, these uh, get played, it gets played on the buses and yeah, that's, it, they may have already seen it, actually. So I'll, I'll let you know after tonight. Cool. Yeah, and I sent, so, so the the version that I sent you has like the the OG, you know, prankster convo at the end, which I thought would, would be a treat um, as well for for you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank well, you bless so you. Much. I gotta go myself. Yeah, because yeah, I. Thank you, Mike. Thank you guys so much. This has been so great. Obviously, I just well, love- we'll definitely we have to we'll cross paths again 
we have to. This is yeah. we're, we're the next generation, so we got to keep it up. Yes, awesome. Thank you guys so enjoy much. Enjoy the woods have out fun there. Have fun. Have fun. Thank you. In the name of fun. Yes. I will now. <laughs> we were up one time in, uh, in Bellingham, Washington, and we're going up there to do some reading. Got up with the bus. Ginsburg was along. Cassidy was driving. Hell of a scene. We drove up there, and it's, I got there about Tuesday, I guess, and I had to teach classes until uh, Saturday night when everything began to come uh, in from everywhere. The Jefferson Airplane was a big time lead band. This was 19, let's say, 68, maybe 67. And the bus was uh, parked out there full of people, and they were just having a wonderful time. They didn't have to get up and do anything. And Cassie was just having the greatest time of his life. And finally, we decided Saturday, the uh, Jefferson Airplane was coming, and we better take some acid. And we all took a good jolt of acid. And we wandered into the gymnasium where it was supposed to take place. Got off the bus and the world was tipping and uh, all the semen slabs were going like this. We went dragging, stumbling in there. Uh, Finally, it's one of these uh, gymnasiums in which there's an outside ring where they have the popcorn for sale and uh, the, uh, all the other little things that happen outside. And then you go through the doors on the inside where the ball games play. We got to that outside arena. We just couldn't figure out where we were, what was happening. And finally, all just kind of collapsed there on the floor. And we're sitting in the, um, a great segment there. And finally, the door opened up, and here came uh, a guy who, was, uh, who at that time was uh, the lead roadie for the dead. I can't remember his name. Good old friend. He came swirling in there, and he saw us sitting on the floor. We all looked up at him like this, and he says, oh, oh. <laughs> and uh, we nodded at him. <laughs> so finally, um, they drug us on in and made us a place where we can kind of pile up there on the floor in front of the first seats, and it was completely crowded, and they had all the lights on, and wonderful scene. Cassie looked out down that audience. Man, there's this audience. He says, all I need is a little elucidation. And he he began to, he had on a, uh, a day glow uh, driver's uh, uh, vest. That was all he had from the waist up. And every so often he'd bend the uh, 
top of it down. Put it back up. Then he just was twisted around. He just was having the best time. He played that audience for 20 minutes. And uh, he would look at them and he would dance to them. He couldn't be heard. It's uh, noisy in there. Finally, uh, the uh, airplane came out and the audience quieted down enough that they were able to turn on the uh, turn off the lights and get going and they played their first song was uh, you need somebody to love. And man, everything just began to happen. All of these uh, people, all these unanswered questions about what was going to happen, they changed. And, uh, everything was different. It's wonderful thing, just absolutely wonderful thing. You know? It was spreading out from there. I could feel this is where it starts. This is where the uh, actual millennium begins. From here on out, it will just go from uh, one bunch of people to the next bunch of people. And it will continue to expand. And it will all be uh, understood in history. People will look back at it and, and all of them agree, yeah, this is... Uh, where it happened. This was the beginning of it. And uh, when the end of that first song, Marty Ballin, he uh, hollered over the guy that was running the soundboard and he says, uh, hey, next time you uh, uh, start fiddling with those dials, he says, uh, Wait till we kind of give you the uh, say-so, he said, and bring this up and that up. And, and his voice sounded like it was just so harsh and strange. And all I could think of was, wait now. I mean, this is about to, everything is about to go good on Earth for a thousand years. And you're arguing with this little guy about a microphone. And so uh, I sat there and they sung another piece. Uh, couldn't get this off my mind. And when they stopped the second piece, I said, because the edge of the stage was so closer here to the corner. I said, hey, Marty, uh, you ought to apologize for that guy, to that guy back here, getting on his uh, case of ad. Suddenly, Cassidy was all over me, whamming me, whomp, whomp, whomp. And uh, I uh, tripped out. And suddenly I wasn't there anymore. I was up on top of a hill outside of Babs' place in La Honda. The thing that happened after one of the uh, acid tests, after the, the big acid test on Ali in uh, and. Where was it? Oh, it was, it was 
the big acid test graduation. And I go through a real tough scene with that thing. And, uh, and just barely escaped with my brain. And, uh, Is that the one that Garcia kind of was a little bit with the, the trees, the Indian spirits? Is that that one? Yeah. He ended up underneath a table. This was the one where I told everybody that uh, we had to stop taking acid because I've been surrounded by reporters and cops. I didn't think anybody believed me. And besides the Hell's Angels, I coming around sticking stuff in my mouth so I ripped it on top. And uh, finally, we had a uh, big get together and, and sort of worked it out there on uh, everybody got out and sat down and we're uh, going to work this thing out and so we did we got it out there and and talked through it and there was this one little guy just an amazing little guy very high he looked about 18 and nobody ever seen him before or since and I would talk, and he would make these little poetic statements at the end of each uh, thing that I'd say. When the guy was good, and uh, he was way out beyond himself. I doubt he remembers it. I'll, I'll never forget it. But anyway, finally got up. Babs took me back, and he put me in this suit of clothes that he had for me, because I was in bad shape, and he straightened me up and put me in this uh, suit. Uh, it was a thing that Gretchen made him. Really sharp-looking green and orange outfit. And, and he showed me how to tuck the shirt in for uh, as a Marine and how to tag it around like that so he looked right straight up and down. And he says, now walk back out there. And I walked back out there. Man, I looked good and felt good. <laughs> and it was... Uh, uh, I can remember driving home when we finally uh, got everything packed up. It's nice, sunny Monday morning or Sunday morning, I guess, be in uh, San Francisco, getting stuff together there and, and driving home. And uh, at one point, I began to talk again, and my mind began to ravel. And George says, "There's a sign up there. It says wrong way. Go back." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So we got on back to Babs's, and I couldn't sleep when I got up and headed up above Babs's into the hills above Santa Cruz, because he lived right on the edge of the hills, and pretty soon, I mean, as I headed out, his two big old hound dogs, Curly and Joe, or something like that, it wasn't Joe, though, it was something else, uh, they went up in the hills with me, and we walked and walked, and I was finally beginning to come down. And I hadn't said anything, went up there and uh, laid down, and looked down at Babs's house, and it's about that big down there. And I can see Zane, who's probably seven. Um, he came out earlier than anybody else. He was up early, and he went out to... Uh, 
Babs's rabbit cage, and he crawled up on the top of the rabbit cage, and I was fiddling with the rabbits up there, and I was just so pleased to be there, and these dogs on each side of me, so mellow and nice, and I thought I'd holler at him, and he went, voices came out of me. These two dogs looked at me like this, and they were pounding with their feet, like this, and they're pounding with my, their feet, and suddenly it's Cassidy pounding me with his hand, and I'm back at this uh, uh, Jefferson Airplane concert, and I realized that uh, I've been through this uh, um, a trip that I uh, something has taken me through and shown me that, hey, uh, you don't want to make these noises at this time. You want to uh, keep quiet. And, and I did. Quieted down. And uh, we sat there and watched the rest of the, the uh, concert. And it became a really great concert. But it no longer had the chance of being the greatest concert in the history yeah. of the world. <laughs> it was there. It had the door open for a second, and things just got a little yeah. messy right there. Yeah. And so we went ahead and watched the concert, and then we were able to get out there on the bus and pack up and tell everybody goodbye and head it off. And we're Castillas. All the rest of us have kind of come down. Casty, he just kept going up, man. He's taking everything, and he's up there trying to wheel, and he's talking, and he's coming on, and he's jigging on along like this. And Ramrod was sitting there beside him, listening. Uh huh, Neil. Uh huh. And we were about. This was. Uh, it was at Bellhaven, and we were driving from Bellhaven to. Uh, Seattle, where we were going to meet the Dalai Lama. This is why Ginsburg was with us. He was going to go up there and meet the Dalai Lama and try to talk the Dalai Lama into coming down to the farm. It was the Dalai Lama's first trip in the United States. And as we're driving along there, I get to look at Cassidy. My God, he had a of a lump on his elbow. It's like somebody had opened his skin and put a softball under the skin right here on his elbow. I said, God, Neil, what's that? He said, oh, I don't know. I said, it's, uh, it's something here. I'm, I'm trying to get it down. He pounded it. I said, good Christ. I said, that's why in the hospital. So we pulled over and called and made an appointment in the hospital. He was beginning to get a little scared, but he kept driving. And uh, we uh, finally drove up to a hospital in Ginsburg and I, I think Mike Hagan took him into the hospital. And he was just high as shit, boy. And uh, this doctor came in, and it's about four in the morning, let's say. And the doctor came in and says, well, what's your problem? She says, amphetamine, you're on amphetamine twice a day, every day since 1946. I'd like some right now, yeah. <laughs> I begin to look at uh, Cassie and looks at us and she's like, holy shit, <laughs> I've got a bunch of crazy ones. So I gave Neil something to calm him down and told him to uh, uh, keep his arm against himself. And uh, when he got to Seattle, go see this other doctor who was better at it. And so we got back in the bus and headed on out. And these two girls are with us, Gas Girl and Patty Cake. Gas Girl... There's a girl that's been fat all her life, and she still is. She's absolutely round, 
uh, fat, very smart, funny girl, and, and Patty Cake is uh, her old high school friend, and they're uh, uh, they're back there, and they put on nurses helmets and they begin to take care of it back there. Man, he is just giggling and coming on and having such a good time back there and you can hear him says, Oh, that's what I need is the more therapy. What? <laughs> Man, that's a, what? <laughs> he, then he'd begin to laugh and he would laugh. He'd laugh and pretty soon he's just talking and laughing and gibbering and we drove on in and went down to um Seattle's the fish market where the uh apartment was where the Dalai Lama was supposed to be met. And we joggled around out there and parked. And uh, Ginsburg went upstairs to get the Dalai Lama. And we were, all of us, just completely shot. And Ginsburg had been gone about uh, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, there was this burst of giggling and out up the main aisle. Here came Cassidy and right out on the streets of Seattle. He was not only nude, he had shaved every hair on his body. He had not one hair on his body because Ann Murphy had uh, come up with crabs and he had to shave himself completely. His, tops, his hair, his tops of his toes, everything was completely oh, shaved. <laughs> At this point, the Dalai Lama and Ginsburg show up on the top of the steps and we're out there trying to run Cassidy down. He's <laughs> zooming back and forth. So, and all of these uh, people at the fish markets, it's a big, crowded, touristy place. Uh, they were, they were in, they'd been watching the bus, and there's this guy came out that was a completely hairless man. <laughs> we ran him down and finally corralled him back in there, and Dalai Lama decided he would go back upstairs. <laughs> and he didn't want to come down to... Uh, never got to visit the farm. He never got to visit the farm, and I always... Uh, I felt bad about it. It was a real loss for the Dalai Lama. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 